1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Gospel. The Gospel reading can be found on page 88 of the New Testament. It's taken from John, chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, and then continuing verses 19. Alleluia, alleluia, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Alleluia. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And then verse 19. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptising. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Do please be seated. Friends, do pray for the work of the church today. Clearly our main carol services are this afternoon. Uh, If you can't be here, do pray for us. Pray for a good gate and uh, good singing, good reception to God's word. And as you'll see from the diary sheets, I'm uh, conducting with Bishop Pete this evening at uh, Holy Trinity, Aberdeen and Millhouses, the licensing service for Nicholas Noble. 
Fenella's uh, lovely son. She'll be proud of him and we are of him too. He was born and raised here and his ministry commences even this day. Let's pray together now. Loving Lord Jesus Christ, please send us the help of your Holy Spirit. May you surprise us with your goodness and your love. And help us each one to cooperate with all you're doing in our lives. For Jesus' sake. Amen. If you want to follow page 202, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. So after Christmas, there's a doorbell ring in your home. You are, as I'm sure many of you be doing, be cooking up, bubble and squeak. It's uh, a little known uh, culinary delight. All the leftovers with plenty of oil and fat from the turkey, ham or beef. But as you hurry to the doorbell, the uh, fat from the flying pan sprays everywhere. And of course you forgot to put out the candle that you had lit. But you must attend to the doorbell and all of a sudden there's a fat fire. No joking matter. But you needn't worry because behind the other side of the door is the vicar who's got <laughs> professional training in firefighting as a former chemistry teacher. He knows instantly not to throw water all over you. That really would be no good. He glints in his mind's eye that by your cooker you've got a fire blanket made of suitable material and he pulls the handle and smothers the flame around you taking away the oxygen and the air that makes fire go. You are instantly relieved that the saviour was on the doorstep and your garment while singed is not burnt and you are healthy. Should there be no fire blanket by your cooker to put out the fat fire that is now consuming you, for the nice ones amongst you, I would sacrifice my cashmere and wool garment produced by Hugo Boss. Notice the last bit of the phrase, Boss. And I would wrap you in it, rolling you on the floor to put out the fire that you may live. I would enjoy this experience more than you. But you would be alive after it. This is not a sermon on how to put fires out. This is a sermon that you should not put fires out. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Right at the end of First Thessalonians, it's almost <laughs> as if your mum's telling you, don't forget your packed lunch. Do make a note of your homework and don't put out the Spirit's fire. Very, very important. Do your homework. Make sure you don't starve to death at school. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Perhaps to look at it the other way round, how can we make sure we don't put out the Spirit's fire? Sometimes it just comes like the wind. I mean, who in our midst can stop this gale and blowing at the moment? The greenhouse is going to fall over. The windows are going to blow in. There's leaves everywhere. There's rubbish all over the road. And none of us can stop the wind. Sometimes the Spirit will just come. But why would Paul say, don't put out the Spirit's fire? 
presumably because you could not eat your packed lunch. You could play truant and not do your homework. Presumably because you could put out the Spirit's fire. That's why he says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Well, if you can't control the wind and you think you can't control the Spirit, perhaps just think about this with me for a moment. At some point, there must be a moment in your life where you sensed the Spirit at work. This was the case for the church at Thessalonica. Because it, we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, you're welcome to turn back from page 202 of the New Testament, because the message of the gospel came to you, not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with great conviction. Something must have happened in your life. You might just think you're an ordinary, kind person who lives in a nice part of Sheffield. And you come to church, you listen to sermons, you sing hymns, you give your money, you do your best. But let me tell you the most exciting bit of it all. I mean, all that's good. But you might have sensed at some point in your life the conviction of the Spirit. It's a tingling. It's a moment. It's something that makes you realise that you love Jesus, that he loves you, and that's the best bit of it. Of course the vicar's sermons are good. Of course we love the curate. Of course it's a lovely building, and all that's just part of the packaging. But without this real deal, don't put out the Spirit's fire. However that fire has happened in you, we'll rekindle it. Keep it alive, just don't put it out. If you catch yourself with a turkey fat fire, for goodness sake, you need to hear this, just put that out, okay? Just smother it. Or get your fire blanket off. But this is not that. This is make sure the spirit is alive in you. Notice it's something really, really powerful. The next verse of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire, because that's the real deal, and this is, this is the Spirit that gives you joy. Of course things in life gives you joy, especially at Christmas time. We kill ourselves trying to make other people happy. What do they need? What we need is the joy inspired by the Spirit. And Paul knew these people had got that because they had severe attrition and suffering and privation. The only joy that was in their life was the joy given by the Spirit. So powerful. Have you ever experienced that? All is stripped away. What's that lovely song sing? We're coming back to you, the heart of worship. Have you ever known that it's Christ alone who can bring you the only joy, the deepest joy, the most powerful joy? Notice too, there's something about meeting together. It's there in verse 12 of this passage we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labour among you, and have charge over you in the Lord, and to admonish you. Maybe I should preach on that last bit one time. <laughs> but notice it's the brothers. 
it's the sisters. They're all gathered together. This is no one ringing, ringing your doorbell and saying, you need to hear this on your own. This is as you gather together, Paul is saying, don't put out the Spirit's fire. There's something remarkable happens when God's people meet together that you'll never ever get on your own no matter how powerful you can testify that your experience of your glowing heart, your strengthened will, or your enlivened mind, or your peaceful personality, as you meet with the Lord's people, so the wind comes, so the Spirit comes. Also, it's something finally to desire. Notice how Paul ends this reflection on don't put out the Spirit's fire in verse 19. The next verse, don't despise the words of the prophets. If someone is going to tell you this is what the Lord is saying, why would you argue with that? Why would you argue with that? If, if the Lord is saying this to you, why would you debate it? Of course, notice the next verse. Some of us really like this sort of thing. But you've got to test everything. Then once you've tested it, hold fast to what is good and make sure you abstain from every form of evil. Discernment, testing, thinking about what the vicars say, reflecting upon it. But sometimes you can analyse things till the cows come home and all the life goes out of it. You can test it so much, with so many supplementaries, so many ifs and buts and maybes, you procrastinate, you never do anything, the spirit's gone bye-bye, and he's off down the road. And that, friends, is what happens in churches. Paul says, don't put out the Spirit's fire when the Spirit comes. Gather together. Realise that he's your highest and greatest joy. And two, if you're born of the Spirit, think about how the Spirit's come upon you and fan that into flame. And if you are going to have bubble and squeak, just don't put too much oil and fat in it, okay? <laughs> and don't wear anything flammable and keep all the lights out and you'll be fine because chances are I won't be ringing the doorbell. <laughs> and if the accident happens, whoosh! In all seriousness, I have been in a fire. This is Cambridge. Midnight, the fire bell goes. All grumpy students get out of their block, down the stairs... We're all moaning. Who's woken us up? It's a fire drill. We have to do this. We all go back. No word of a lie. At three o'clock it goes again. Many of us were furious until I come down the stairs and there are women and girls screaming. It just happens that way. The blokes don't. And then I saw people covered in soot and black. And then we realised it, it was real. A couple of lovebirds had had a night of passion, or so they thought, the candle had fallen over, old college was in flame. We were out. Don't mess with fire. But when the Holy Spirit comes, welcome it. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Let's pray together. Father, for your word to each of us, we pray for grace to respond. For your word to this church, we pray for grace to respond. 
And we pray for churches up and down this land that the Spirit would come, would fresh, heal and reinvigorate. That the Christ we celebrate in so many good ways at Christmas time might be ever more real in our hearts and lives. For his dear name's sake.